Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which police radio sent you. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm living on the internet, which is where we all live forever, <laughs> apparently because this pandemic doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But uh, I have a guest on the show who is new to the podcast, but definitely not new to the local music scene. Uh, so I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and maybe just give a bit of background about what it is you do musically, and we can take it from there. Sure, yeah, I'm a piano player, mostly jazz, I would say, but I play lots of different stuff. Um, I've, I've been playing since I was a little kid, um, probably... 30 years at this point. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I grew up in Winnipeg, grew up in, in the Wolseley area, and uh, really got into music when I was like 11, <laughs> and basically have been going hard ever since then, just, you know, practicing, what, making music. Yeah. What was the appeal of jazz for you? Like, how, how did you get into that? Because, you know, I'm also from Wolseley, and I definitely got into music oh, at yeah. a young age too, but jazz was something I, I discovered, I guess, as a listener, like, you know, when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, it wasn't something that had really uh, appealed to me. So what what, what drew you in uh, to jazz when well, you were younger? I mean, it was just the improvisation. You know, it was like, I, I was playing a lot of, I was a trained, you know, classically, got a lot of lessons, and, and I liked that, and I still enjoy that, playing written music, but yeah, as soon as I, I discovered that you could just make stuff up, which really should be a part of classical piano too, but totally, it's, yeah. not, it's not usually, but yeah, I just, I, I really like that, and also the, the more communal aspect of it, like being able to like just get together with someone and like jam, as opposed to like having to formally, you know, learn music and, and all that, so yeah, it was just, it was really just more fun. And uh, I also started getting gigs when I was like pretty young. So I started making some money. So that helps. Yeah. 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 That was kind of a motivator too. So. Yeah. Well, and I know you have, uh, I think it's three now uh, records out, right? But you've but you played with so many other people. What was kind of your, I guess, trajectory to getting to the point where you are now? Like, are there some sort of key people that you played with, um, whether it was as, you know, uh, backing them up or, or in a group with them that sort of led you towards the path that you've uh, taken? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me was as soon as I graduated high school, I went on tour with Maynard Ferguson, okay. who was a pretty well-known trumpet player player few decades ago anyways um and i was lucky enough to be recommended by my teacher who was in his band before me and uh he hooked me up and i, I went on this world tour and you know with a bunch of like middle-aged guys so it was <laughs> it was it was really yeah that was probably like five years of learning experience in one year sure yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean that that's that was one of the, the biggest kind of accelerating factors and then just aside from that just just like hanging out a lot in New York city whenever I can and traveling and just being around musicians in bigger cities is, is really helpful too. Right. Just so, so kind of soaking in that experience from some of those hubs, I guess, for, for jazz and for music. Yeah. And just, and just being around 
other musicians in a that that are at a really high level. That's it's something that's kind of. I mean, there's great musicians here. There's just not a lot of musicians sure. here. So it's good to be around just a, a huge number of amazing musicians. Well, just to jump back to something you said a, few, uh, a minute or two ago about about getting interested in the improvisation part of it and then the idea that you could just make things up. One thing that I found interesting, and this is from my own experience playing in definitely not jazz bands, but playing in punk bands and, and whatever else over the years, yeah. is that I know a lot of people who are, are amazingly well-trained at music. They can play written music just beautifully and flawlessly but they often have a difficulty with that improv part of it because it's not in front of them on the page so i guess i don't know if that's just a a kind of a casualty of being so trained that that aspect of it doesn't come like how did you kind of break through that well as i said before like i don't think that should be the case right if you look if if you look back actually like a long time ago even in like classical music there used to be a lot of improvisation. And I don't know, at some point, music education kind of shifted away from that. And I think that's more a fault of like how we teach people how to play music versus like the actual style. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's not something a lot of kids do at a young age. They If, if they are lucky enough to have, you know, like more musical uh, exposure at a young age, um, maybe that's changing. I mean, I'm not involved in early education right, right. so i don't know but like i'm just saying like that's my experience um so where was i going with that <laughs> um yeah i just just like it's kind of a thing you you it feels weird at first you know and you just yeah. have to start you just have to take like a a scale or like a series of chords and just like mess around with them and sound terrible and you you may be able to play you know amazing stuff that's you've figured out in advance and then you go to make make it up and you don't sound good right so it's like you have to just kind of jump in there and just be okay with that for a while until you get used to it that that makes a lot of sense actually for sure yeah yeah Yeah. well i I do have some more questions that relate to that but uh, i wanted to get into your into your latest record which i guess came out uh back in the fall right of last year yeah, November of 2020. Yeah. Okay, so what's the what's the backstory behind that? I guess that's your first one in a few years now, right? Yeah, I think the last one was in 2016. So it's, it was about a five year gap. I, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of backstory aside from uh, it was kind of just I wanted to make a new one because it had been a while, and also I was I was just around some great musicians that I hadn't recorded with before. Okay. And it, it's kind of a it was. I just wanted to kind of establish a new era of, I don't know, these musicians I really like playing with and I want to document that. So that's, that's it really. Okay. How long was that one in the yeah. works? Like did, did the pandemic come into play at all during the creation no. of that record? No, it was, it was all recorded uh, well before any of that. Okay. okay. Well, not well, actually, no, you know what? Not well, a few months before, a few months before. So no, it didn't play into it at all. It ended up like kind of being a theme in part in terms of like what I ended up titling some of the tunes and stuff like that. Oh really? That. Okay. But okay. A little bit, but it was it didn't really play into it all that much. Yeah, it, it played into releasing it a little bit because yeah. you can't. I was planning to tour and do all that stuff, but you know that's that's happened to everyone. Well, I think so. I think that the last time I saw you play live would have been at the uh, the Red House show that you did with uh, with Jocelyn Gould. Did yep. you get many shows after that, or was that sort of uh, near the end of the actively was, playing thing before the that pandemic was, kicked in? That was one of the 
last shows. That might have been I might have done one or two things out like outdoor things after that. And aside from that, I've played at like one birthday party and okay. that's it. <laughs> so what has that yeah. experience been like? Because obviously you've been playing, like you said, you you've been playing music live for since you were a teenager, you know, yeah. obviously quite heavily. So what has that yeah. experience been like where you literally can't do any of the traditional type of shows you would have done uh, even a year before or two two years before? It was rough for a while. I guess we're all kind of numb to it at this point. Sure. It's just, it's just kind of like, all right, whatever. But yeah, it sucks. I mean, I've, like everyone else, I've learned a lot more about uh, expressing myself through the internet. Yeah, we have to, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've kind of been, I've, I'm, I like using computers and like nerding out by myself, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with, a lot of aspects of it, but I, I really do want to be back playing music in a, in front of an audience again. Cause there's just, it's playing on in front of a video camera is just not, not great really. Yeah. You don't get the same <laughs> kind of feedback from the audience. Even if you do it's get okay, feedback, yeah. it's different, right? Like it's okay if that's one of many things you're doing, but if it's the only thing you're doing, it, it just gets kind of demoralizing after a while. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that, I think that, I think everyone probably agrees with that for sure. Yeah.
on the record, I mean, you know, there's 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 originals, there's there's covers, there's traditional uh, songs, but the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins cover was the one that stuck out the most for me, just because I, I I was listening and I didn't actually look at the song titles first, and all of a sudden that came on, and it was like, oh, this is Bullet with Butterfly Wings. So <laughs> did you did you, rec- did you recognize the song like without like looking at the title? Yes. But it took it took, yeah. it took me about a minute yeah. though, and I was like, "This is really." And then it dawned on me what it was, and, and right. so I guess uh, like I, I really like what you did with it, and I think that kind of goes with what you're saying earlier about uh, you know improvising and doing things that maybe aren't don't sound the way that you they're expected to sound because that's clearly what yeah. you're doing with that song. But yeah. how do you take something like that and turn it into what you did? Like, what's the how do you deconstruct it and and play it in your style? Because even just translating it from <laughs> a, a rock band to piano it right. alone is very different, and let alone you know turning into a jazz piece. Yeah, that's 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 kind of a hard question to answer because sure. it's it's like a little bit mysterious in a sense because to to some extent I, I guess here's how I would explain it like you learn all this all these devices for like arranging music and say taking a series of chords and changing them into a different series of chords that also work with the melody that's called reharmonizing. Okay. So so you, like basically that's what that is it's a reharmonization of the tune like i kept the melody if you may have noticed like basically exactly intact like, yeah the vocal the line is there and everything yeah yeah i changed it a little bit like i changed the time signature um for part of it but like i kept the melody basically like it is and i changed the underlying harmony so when you're learning how to do that you know you kind of learn all these like theoretical devices you can use like just different different things you can do with harmony. Okay. But when when you actually go when I actually go to do that for something I might actually want to perform, I'm not really thinking theoretically anymore. That's more just like the training. Okay. Okay. And I'm really just sitting at the piano and like coming up with sounds that I like. Like, okay, here's the melody. What chords would sound good under it? Okay. I mean, it's it, you really do, you you have to do enough like kind of groundwork that that like that's not going to work until you've done the the kind of groundwork and then it's just by feel after that but then it's yeah it's it's more or less by feel like i'm rarely sitting there like you know i'm going to use a tritone substitution here or something like i don't you know i try not to really think that way i try to go by feel yeah why why that song again i really like what you did with it but what was the uh (laughs) what about that song spoke to you as something to put on the record i mean it's like a classic song from my youth sure yeah, so, yeah, like, too, yeah, yeah. i like i just like doing songs like that i mean jazz musicians can get really into these like standards that are like a hundred years old at this point and it's the same ones um, over and over again right yeah but there's always been a tradition in jazz of like some people are always actually doing like more contemporary not that that's even contemporary anymore <laughs> but like closer to being contemporary sure. and you know there, there's people always that are doing newer stuff like jazz musicians have always done covers and arranged yeah yes yeah and you know a lot of them just stick to like jazz standards but but a lot of other people do those kinds of tunes because they they can work really well it just depends on the tune yeah also like it depends on the melody i think there's some melodies that just lend themselves more to you know morphing it into this style than others so you kind of have to mess around like I've I tried a bunch of other songs. I don't really even remember what they were anymore, but they were just they just didn't end up working, and that one ended up working. Okay, yeah. is, is that a song that works better um, when you have a band with you as well? 
Because I mean, the drums on that are very, uh, oh, yeah, very yeah, prominent, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I imagine it sound very different just you on the piano solo, right? It's almost like I wouldn't even want to play it without drums. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> the the drums are like eighty percent of that song. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's definitely the most, uh, uh, to my ears anyway, the most rock. Not that it's a rock song, yeah. but it's the heaviest song, right? Uh, of the it record. is basic. It's basically like math rock jazz. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you do you listen to any of that kind of stuff like that? That kind of jazz influenced heavier music. Um. Honestly, not not really. Like like, not really. Okay, okay. And if you na- if you could name some people, well, I was I just name, thinking I... there's the kind of these like weird subgenres of of uh, like metal that have basically have uh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. bigger you kind of what? experimental parts and yeah. I I haven't really checked out a lot, but I I would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, yeah. it appeals to me. I just it's not something I've explored a lot personally. Yeah. yeah. What is um? What's the reception to that, that song been? I mean, because that's something that even a non-jazz listener is going to recognize, and yeah. it's going to speak to them. You know, if, especially if they grew up with it, right? In that era. Yeah, it's funny. Like every song has different people that respond to it, basically, sure. like different demographics of people. Um, so yeah, I mean, that one has been yeah a lot. A lot of people who, like you said, are not necessarily like like I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, like traditional jazz fans, or like, the, yeah, they're coming from other genres maybe, but they appreciate like musical complexity or yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well maybe yeah. that brings in a question of, of like, and I think this is probably hard for a lot of jazz artists to answer because um, I've had some on the show and they've had the same trouble with it. But what is who, who who's your audience? Because I think there's a stereotype that the jazz is geared towards older people. I don't think that's fair, but there's definitely, that's yeah. the uh, kind of um, perception a lot of people have is that this is music for, you know, whatever right. age and up. Right. And uh, clearly you're doing something like that and other things that are stylistically more appealing to, to a younger and your right. own age group. Right. Yeah. That's, that's like, I think about that a lot. And like, I don't want it to be like all 70 year olds listening to my music. Yeah. I mean, I would say like older people, tend to like like older jazz fans this is a huge stereotype but they tend to like more like straight ahead like traditional jazz standard like i don't know oscar peterson like very straight ahead swinging jazz i guess that's a huge like generalization yeah but like maybe younger people sometimes it appeals more to them if it's more experimental actually and like it doesn't sound like I don't know what pe- whatever people think of when they think of jazz, they don't necessarily want to hear that. Yeah, well, and I think that was I no. mean, but that was me personally too. Before I really started listening to jazz in any kind of significant way, I had this perception of what it was, which is you know that perception that it was like, oh, this isn't something I'm going to like because right. I perceive the audience well, as 108 and up. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's jazz is such a massive genre yeah like it's it's not even a genre really it's just like it's whatever. an umbrella right there's so many different <laughs> subgenres there's underneath it yeah so many subgenres that like it's hard to even i don't know like I, I i know in my head what like straight ahead mainstream jazz is but there's i don't know there's so many different ways to do it <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like it, it becomes so vague like is this jazz anymore i don't know <laughs> so yeah Start on the open sea, crying out. 
so how, how does that work in a city like Winnipeg then? When you know, like there, there is a there's definitely a jazz scene here, but it's not it's not huge, and it mm-hmm. does it make it difficult to sort of. Uh, for shows to be booked and things where, you know, someone is booking a show, they want some jazz artists, they could have you and they could have someone doing something completely different that still kind of qualifies as jazz and maybe it doesn't mesh well. Like, is there, is it, is it hard to find, I guess, uh, people with the, the same spirit, I guess, uh, when it comes to making music in a city like Winnipeg? Uh, right. I mean, I would say, aside from jazz Winnipeg, there's not, not a whole lot of people going out there booking I, I guess, jazz. I guess it's know? not a jazz club or anything. Yeah, you're, right. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah, good point, good point. So, yeah. so it's, it's more like you got to hustle your own stuff or potentially like book a venue yourself and, and pay for it yourself. Yeah. Or, or do, you know, find gigs like for other functions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Is that primarily what you've been doing, though, as far as getting gigs locally? Just just hustling and finding kind of alternate ways to, to to find shows. Yeah, somewhere like Winnipeg, it's it's too small to like. I, I can't go out there and just perform creative original jazz for a living. You right, know, it's too small. It's too small for that. Um, so yeah, you've, I, I've always been all about just trying to be like as diverse of a musician as possible or as malleable to whatever situation like not not as much now as I used to because I have you know I teach a lot and I have other ways of you know making a living but when I when I was I was a freelancer for like I don't know 10 years and I would just take any gig and if I didn't know what I was doing with the gig I would just figure out how to like sound passable okay okay so yeah, I w- I've always been big on that. Yeah. And is that with just whatever genre of music someone needs yep. a piano player? Yeah. Yeah. Someone called me for like you know a salsa gig, and I would learn how to play salsa. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the classical training really helped because I could also do some classical gigs. Sure. And my reading, my sight reading is really good. So like anything that involved reading was like fine. Like I did some some music, like some Rainbow Stage gigs. I did some just like rock band or like whatever other like other genres just you know i just anything i would i would take any gig and just figure it out (laughs) well and i guess guess all the years of doing that probably helps you just towards your own music anyway because you've had the opportunity to perform all these different styles totally even if it's not what you're into right because some of it could seep into to influences yeah and you see how it you see how it works differently every genre has its own kind of subculture yeah. And I, you know, I'm not saying I know all about every subculture, but I got little glimpses into, you know, a bunch of different musical worlds, which is really cool. Do you think that there's a way that jazz can be not uh, sold is the wrong word, but uh, presented to younger people in a way to get them into it? Because I think there's a lot of people who would enjoy it if they again got past that stereotype of it you know this is my granddad's music or whatever right like i mean right right because i know a lot of people who you know played very different kinds of music and have kind of had the same realization as i did as an adult and saying that wait i love this <laughs> there's so much cool stuff that i didn't even know about and i neglected for so long like what do you think might be the, a good way to sort of break past that for just the mainstream listeners yeah i guess i guess that's kind of like uh just a Oh, that's really hard to answer. Well, I guess if you had the I, answer, you'd be if, doing if it. If I knew that, I would be I would be more famous than I am. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think just I yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, you stumped me there. Well, there may I not mean, there I, may not be an answer. I think that the fact that no one's figured out how to do it yet is maybe 
indicative that there isn't actually. <laughs> there like I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to think about it. Okay. It's more okay. like it's it's well, I don't know, or right or I don't maybe maybe the way to think about it is like you got to make like whatever music you're making just has to be the music you believe in. Right. Right. Like I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to make music deliberately because I want a 20 year old to like my music, you know? No, that's like, fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I can still kind of like market it in a certain way, I guess. Like I can, I can talk about it in a way that might speak to someone that's younger as opposed to like, like I don't like having it have this vibe where it's like gated and it's yeah. like elite, you know, that just really annoys me. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to appeal only to seven year olds. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Like I want, I want to appeal to any age really. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you can like say, I'm going to make this music appeal to this age group. Well, you can't force it, right? You can't that, force it. That'll fail. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll be because that could be so brutal. If you're like, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make some cool music that the kids are gonna like. Yeah, that's. And yeah. then it's gonna it's gonna not be good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. Well, and I guess the other thing too is like I've kind of realized this um, recently is that there's a lot. Of, I mean, I'm almost forty, and there's music that pe- I have people on the show sometimes who are eighteen or twenty or whatever, and the stuff they're making a lot of the time it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But then I, it kind of occurred to me that it's not for me. Like I'm not the audience for that right. stuff so and if they were right. making it and if i liked it they're probably doing it wrong so i guess there's yeah. that that element of it too it's the, like you can't you don't want to talk down to someone by trying to ape their style in an attempt to get them to like what you're doing right so yeah you're, you're right yeah i think you just have to be just genuine about your music and i don't know if, if they're gonna i hope that they end up liking it and what am i gonna do i mean i look <laughs> at my like you know data of who's listening and it's it's pretty it's pretty all over the place. Like it maybe skews a bit older, but it's not like only people over 60. Like yeah. it's, you know, like on Spotify, it's like 30 year olds and 40 year olds a lot of the time. So.
I, I have this perception, and I, I, I could be completely wrong, that jazz is a genre, uh, country is another one, where CDs are still a very big part of the business, rather than streaming. Streaming obviously exists in a large way with everything, but do you find that you know uh, platforms like Spotify and all that are, are working well for you, and you're getting uh, reaching people and getting listeners, or is it still very heavily buying a CD at a show kind of... Uh, Kind of a well, it would be buying a CDs at shows. If shows that's a happen, big yeah. thing. I, I still think that's important. Like the way to look at CDs now in 2021, it's not that like even the older people are not actually listening to your CD yeah. on a CD. Well, I, I still I mean, do, but I'm, uh, that's unusual. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, but yeah. that's that's like one percent. I know, of, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people still buy CDs because they want to support you. It's like it's almost like a merch product at this point. Totally. It's like having it's like having a T-shirt. You know, yeah. and, and so, you know, it's easier to sell those at shows. You can still sell them online to some extent. Um, so that's that's how I look at CDs. Um, but Spotify has been working fine for me. That's I, good. I've good. Done, that's good. Yeah. I've, I've done or been doing really well on there. <laughs> so maybe I got a bit lucky, but, you know, it's been it's certainly not like paying the bills, but. Yeah, I think I think there's a very yeah. small number of people that that actually happens for just because of how little they pay artists, right? But yeah. But I th- I think for a jazz musician like I have a lot of streams on there. That's compared cool. With, compared with most people. So it's good to hear, yeah. Obviously what you're doing uh, is clicking with with listeners. The problem with Spotify and, and other streaming is that it's almost impossible to like actually reach out to your audience. Like it's just a black hole of yeah. like there's all these people listening to it, but I have no idea who they are and I have no way of like reaching out to them. So it's pretty brutal in that sense. That's, that's one thing people don't, people always talk about like the cost per stream, which sucks. Yeah. But I think for me, the bigger problem is like if you're on Facebook or Instagram and someone checks out your music, they can DM you or you can, sure. you can talk, you, you can talk to them. But on Spotify, you just have no idea who they are. It's just numbers. So, and, and the chances of them, like, listening to you and then like looking you up on another platform is like pretty low yeah so yeah. to me that's the that's the more brutal part about it but i think anyways, that, gets, not... that, that gets overlooked though i think i think a lot of people just focus solely on the low amount of pay and then just yeah i mean i would take i would take even lower stream numbers if it was like more of a social media platform where people could comment on your music and then you could like you know engage with them and that kind of stuff yeah but i don't know well, what's uh, I guess what's your preferred way of people purchasing your music? I, I'm guessing CDs is probably still a big one because you well, get that's the money that's, off that. that's by a huge percent is like the highest profit margin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you want to order the CD, it's a beautiful CD. Like the the cover art is beautiful, and I'll sign it. And you know, I'm I'm always happy if people order a CD. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, what's the best way, I guess, to find out about what you're up to then? Because, uh, I mean, if people want to order a CD or, or other merch yeah. or, or listen to your music, where's kind of the main place they should go online to, to find you? Yeah, you can just go literally any platform slash Will Bonus. Okay, that's pretty <laughs> so straightforward. Like, I, that's my username on everything. Okay. So, or just my website, willbonus.com. Okay. So, if you know my name, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> right, right. And then they can order CDs. And are, are your older albums still floating around out there, or are they just? Oh uh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, they're still there. I, I still have, I still have inventory. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, it's, I think that everyone kind of gets stuck with the boxes of, of CDs at some yeah. point or another, right? So that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then obviously, no one knows when the pandemic's going to end. I mean, it could be. Yeah. 
could be next month it could be two years from now hopefully not but right it's all up in the air so (laughs) what's kind of your plan once things do change assuming they do do you have an idea of what you want to do sort of right away once uh it goes back to some semblance of normal yeah i want to start booking some tours it's my hope like as as the problem is like you kind of have to wait till it's over and then you have to book a tour about a year in advance yeah so so you know we're looking at probably two years till i actually am on tour but that's what I want to be doing. So, I mean, and then obviously just performing locally again. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. Do you think you'll and be then, recording anything else uh, over that time? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple plans. Um, one thing I'd like to do is a solo piano record, which I've never done. I've played a lot of solo, but I've never done a record. Okay. And because uh, that's obviously I can do that whenever. You don't have to. Right, yeah, yeah. It's very pandemic proof. Um, and then I, I, I'm leaning towards maybe a trio record piano trio record um but that's that's about it i I don't really have a timeline but i'm hoping to get both of those recorded within the next year cool yeah that's that's my plan 